Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's that time of the year when we have another major upon us. It's the PGA week. It's actually the PGA day because we're recording this as the players are hitting off. By the time you uh, listen to this, first round would already be you know, pretty much done and run. But we've got our usual format. Well, it's not a usual format. It's a new format. We've got uh, the Rocket Man with us. We've got Magic Mike with us. So uh, let's crack on and get into the PGA episode. Gents, good evening. How are we? Very well, thank you. Yeah, apologies to the listeners. Three weeks without me. They must be feeling flat. I might have had a couple of messages, Rocket, that said, uh, where's Rocket? When's, is he coming back? Where is he? Is he okay? But uh, clearly you're, you're okay. And uh, and I did say uh, the, a regular format, but it's only a new format. Yeah, we've got Magic Mike back on board. Mike, how are you, mate? Very well, thanks, mate. How, how about yourself? I'm very well, and uh, as we discussed off air, it's uh, it's, the, it's the second My Love of Golf podcast in a row that you've featured in because you did feature in our Barn Boogle episode, the epic, monumental, uh, collaborative Barn Boogle episode, two hours worth of Barn Boogle power, and, uh, and you were my playing partner down there. You were the, actually the host of the tour. You were the one that put it together and made it all happen. Um, you want to go back to Barn Boogle? I do. I desperately want to play Google Run, probably a bit like yourself. Uh, I think uh, probably getting a little bit too cold at the minute to go down, but I could easily be talked in there heading down uh, probably by August, I think. Okay. Well, there's uh, another another friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. Mollica, who's equally as keen. And uh, so he's been in touch. I'm sure he's been in touch with you. So it, as I said in that to our epic and not want to drag drag it out any further for anyone that invested two hours or if like you, Mike, uh, listened to us on 1.5 speed. It was great and I can't wait to go back. Rocket, it's your homeland down there in Tassie. Big things happening in golf, but this week we're here to talk about the PGA. It's uh, it's an exciting event because it's an a, an exciting course and it's uh, been been hyped up. What are your initial thoughts around the PGA this week, mate? What do you, where, what do you see? You know, what's the lead up been like? You know, we've not talked for a while, so there's been a little bit happening. Give us a bit of a rockets review and a radar all all wrapped up into one. Uh, well, I haven't watched a lot of golf in the last few weeks, um, so there's been some decent stories with you know people you know hitting the the winners circle that haven't been in the winners circle for a while. The form has been sporadic of lots of players. Um, the unfortunate thing is where the PGA is in certain events, like we don't really have a really good handle on who who are the form players coming in. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to this one because the last time it was played at Kiwa, it was actually it rained a lot that week and it came a little bit soft and and roars absolutely just tore the field apart, you know, in that final sort of 54 holes. So you know, obviously everyone's thinking that he's like this automatic favourite because he, you know, back in the winner's circle again. Um, but, you know, it's very hard to win back-to-back. And the course is going to be really – I'm excited because I looked at the forecast and it's 
like going to be 20 in the mid 20s to high 20s most of the days. It's going to be windy. So that means the course is going to be firm. It's going to be fast. And the, the true test of good peak die golf is going to come out. So um, as we say with most majors, especially the ones that where um, you know things aren't rendered mute, ball striking and creativity around the greens is going to be paramount this week. Ball striking because of the, you know the, the greens are small. They've got and they're ele- all elevated because they're trying to get them off above you now the lowlands there. And in true Pete Dye fashion, the best angles into the holes are from specific parts of the fairway. So it's not like we can just smash it up the fairway and you've got the best angle in because depending on where the pin is or how the wind's playing, it's going to be all about angles and then missing it in the right positions and then having your short game on, on song. So the people that can play that strategy game are going to be at the forefront, um, you know, come, come Saturday and Sunday. I think they're the ones that are going to be chomping around and anyone else that's, you know, the iron game is off or the short game may be off or they're just some doofus who's trying to outdrive everyone. Um, they're, they're not going to be contending. Yeah. You mentioned Pete Dye several times there in that little uh, opening uh, stanza. You know, what makes this Pete Dye course so special and, and unique, you know, in terms of the Pete Dye back catalogue of, of courses? Um, one, I think it's one, it's a location Two, how it came into existence because it was a rush job to build a course for, as a replacement for the Ryder cup. I can't remember which course they were meant to play it at, but I think it was, this was around about the time when they were having all the, um, uh, the PJ of America stopped playing their tournaments at courses that wouldn't admit black members. So it was like post Shoal Creek 1990. So all of a sudden they had this mad rush to build the course. And it was built specifically for the Ryder Cup. Um, and there's one of the more sort of historic sort of Ryder Cups at the time and plenty of stories behind that. But uh, the course is definitely not like it was when he originally built it because it was still very much links like um, and in true sort of Pete Dye fashion, everything is about strategy and just a really stern, hard test of golf. Uh, a lot of input from Alistair, his wife as well. Uh, and, and the course is quite unique because one, it's right on the coast. Um, so it is exposed to all the elements, but it's in a figure eight. So front nine going out, you know, four, four or five holes and then loops back. And then vice versa for the for the back nine as well. So it goes out and loops back. So, you know, depending on the the um, the wind conditions for the day, you know, you could be playing certain nine just right into the teeth, and then coming downwind on other holes, and then same going on the back nine. So there's certain holes on some days, like long par threes, you could be hitting three woods and drives into, and then the very next day, if the wind switches, you might be hitting a seven iron into it. So. And then, as I said before, the green's being raised because obviously it's it's in that sort of low marshland area. So giving getting them up above, we'll call it the water table, so making sure that 
you know, they're not going to get waterlogged or flooded, you know, because as anyone may know, if they're a little bit of a greens nerd, you, you don't want your greens to be waterlogged or anything like that, because that's how you get diseases and stuff like that. In, and you can lose them quite quickly. Uh, what I'm interested to hear about, and just to go back a little bit, you know, we talked about the Ryder Cup there, which was, I think, 1991. 91. So you battle by the sh- battle by the sea, I think it was called War on the Shore. I think. War on the Shore. Yeah. That's it. That's I, it. I have a vague recollection of it. Uh, as Hale and running into the surf. Three or four. Yeah, exactly. So, what was so significant about that? Uh, Rocket, yeah. What's your memories of the war on the shore back in 1991? It was obviously one, uh, not obviously. It was ultimately won on the 18th hole uh, of the final um, day. Bernard match. Langer, yeah. Mister Tiddler. Bernard Langer, Bernard Langer, Bernard Langer, Mister uh, yeah, six footer to, to lose. But yeah, I think yeah. Mark Kalkavi, Mark Kalkavaki, uh, Mark Kalkavekia. I think he had a shank on 17 into the water. Um, yeah, so Bernard Langer missed a two-footer, which would have halved it. I think he was playing Hale Irwin. Um, and it was the first time the US had won the Ryder Cup since 83. Because mm. they'd lost, I think they halved it to Europe in 85 and then obviously lost it in 87 to, at Muirfield Village and then lost it at Belfry. Again, I think it was another one of those final hole ones. That was the... The Freddie Couples collapse against Craig, um, Chris Christie, I think it was. Chris Christie hit that one iron to um, about a foot on the 18th at Belfry. So it was um, the US getting their passes handed to them for a number of years, and it was the first time for them to to win it again for a while. So reportedly, the 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 uh, local fans were very raucous, as you as you'd expect, and as we've come the Ryder to Cup, Ryder Cup, and. Uh, and I think the uh, US team were a bit raucous as well. But, uh, yeah, the, fi- the final day, Nick Faldo, David Ferretti, uh, they won their, their matches for Europe. Seve Bayesteros, Paul Broadhurst. I can't remember Paul Broadhurst, but, you know, Freddie Couples beat Sam Torrance. Lanny Watkins beat Mark James. Corey Pavel beat... Ray Floyd St- playing as well. Raymond Floyd was defeated in the, in the singles uh, final day by Nick Sir, Sir Nick Faldo. Uh, Payne Stewart was defeated by David Ferretti. So uh, there we go. And uh, Big Monty and uh, the Big Calc, uh, they halved. Anyway, it was... Uh, it was amazing scenes and there's some good vision back there if you want to go back through and look at your Ryder Cup history. But it was the scene, as you rightly point out, um, of that uh, tremendous Ryder Cup event. Now, Mike, you've been up there in the wings. Thanks for being patient. Um, your contribution and thoughts around Kiwa Island and, and the event as a summary, what are, you, what are your uh, gut feel thoughts? You know, what are you looking forward to? Probably pretty similar to Rocket. Um it's going to be it's going to be a great watch. Uh, there's going to be no rain, uh, so that's always good because it means that the golf's going to be on when you want it to be on, and we're not waiting for uh, delays and things like that. Especially if you're, you're living in sunny Melbourne like us, when you have to get up at the crack of dawn to watch golf as it is, you want it to be on. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting tournament. I think a lot of the talk's been around how long the course is. I know Rocker talked about how the greens and how tough they are. Absolutely. The length of it's going to be pretty interesting. A lot of people have been talking about uh, the benefits of being in the fairway is going to be of the utmost. You know, the fairway, the rough's not going to be extremely penal, but it's it's definitely uh, going to give you some flyer lies. So hitting out of those into uh, some tough greens is going to be fun to watch. I know, uh, as Rocket said, Rory streeted him last time. I think he won by eight. 
Uh, I don't think anyone's going to win by eight this time. But uh, he had a finishing score of around, I think, 12 or 13 under. So I think that around that 10 under mark is where you would expect them to finish. And I, and I, I think that makes for a good, solid tournament for everyone to watch. You're going to see a little bit of carnage, but you're hopefully going to see some good golf as well. The um, the pundits, you know, listened to Justin Leonard and uh, you know, his cohort, um, you know, were talking about the narrow-ish fairways, but saying that the, you know, the channel – Including the the first rough is fairly generous, so you know, like keep it in the cha- in the fairway. But you know, the miss zones are pretty generous. But past that, you know, it's a dead zone. So you know, there's not much for the for the wide guys. But you know, if you keep it fairly obviously straight, it's going to benefit you immensely. Not as straight, not too penal. But you know, as you say, you'll get some of those fly fly lies. But you know, you start going a little bit wide, and if that uh, you know the local conditions get up, uh, that could present a few challenges for some. Some of these guys, you know, back in and back in um, back in that '91 era, um, you know, Pete Dye did say that it was very much suited towards that European style of golfer. You know, I think he it was reported I saw on Twitter that he had dinner with um, Paul McGinley and and uh, Padraig Harrington said, you know, this this should suit you suit you Irish guys very well. So um, who knows? You know, could could be there be a European come to the fore? Never know. Yeah. If you look at last the last time around of the top ten, I think six or seven were Europeans. So yep. that that definitely stacks up. So um, still sticking with you, Mike. Uh, yeah, this is your third podcast appearance in recent weeks. Now, you know, we had Magic Mike's Masters Market, and then now you you're on another podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, lent some golf knowledge to the Little Birdie uh, podcast in, this week around golf, uh, around the PGA Championship. That was uh, was good. The boys there, uh, there's a few boys there that are very knowledgeable about uh, golf, and then there's a couple of boys that weren't. And so with that one person missing in action, they called me in off the bench, which was was good. It was good fun. So talk to us about that. Give them a plug. The, you know, they're obviously are they friends of yours? Like from the the punting they are, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. So little birdie, uh, little birdie TV on uh, you can find them on YouTube and everywhere else, like Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, focus a lot on the racing, so horse racing. Um, they've got a fa- fairly large following. I know tonight they're betting greyhounds, and they've got about two hundred and seventy thousand dollars from the people that follow them to to bet on greyhounds tonight to try and win a kitty. They sell shares, so. Yeah, they're, they're having a very big night tonight on Greyhounds. Not my forte at all, but uh, I was just there to, to uh, stand in and talk about Kiowa, which was much, much easier. So they're going to lay out 270000 of of listeners' money on the yes. dog on the dogs. Tonight, yep. Like yep the, they, the, there's not they enough... They num- sold shares. <laughs> For me, there's not enough number seven dogs running to possibly back... <laughs> Two hundred and seventy thousand dollars worth of, of money in the whole of Australia because that's all. No, there's going to be a run on the dogs adapter or something. <laughs> if I yeah, my only strategy with dogs, and I'm not a betting person, but uh, my only strategy with dogs is number seven. That's it. Usually, usually, usually comes up pretty good. So, just boys, <clears throat> take the rest of the night off. Put two hundred and seventy thousand on number seven in the fifth adapter, and have the rest off. Um, well, that was interesting. Um, is that going to be a, a regular thing for you, or just uh, just a bit of a, a you know? Hi. Yeah, I think it'll be a little bit whenever they want to talk about golf. So probably around the majors. Look, a lot of people now. Are, uh, I think we talked a little bit on the last podcast from the Masters. A lot of people now are uh, betting on everything, and there's a lot of people betting on golf. If you look at, you know, probably 
10, 15 years ago, it wasn't something people did, but in the digital age with the ability to pick up your phone and pretty much bet on badminton in Hungary overnight, uh, people are betting on it. And so if, when you've got things like the majors, there's a lot of focus that comes into the sport and a lot of money getting bet. So people start to get interested, especially when you've got a horse race, your favourite might be $2. The favourite here is Rory at about $15. So um, yes, it's a much, much bigger field, but people, if they can find a winner, are pretty happy. Yeah, you can. It, the opportunities to find value are uh, it's, it's a lot more enticing, right? And then you only need one. No, I've already seen it myself, right? It's you only need one one to hit that gives you a little bit of bank to to yeah. to roll. Or unless you unless you do what I've done for last month and catch a bad hand, and you're basically just burning holes. Yep, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we start getting into um. What are we going to call this? We called the last one Magic Mike's Masters Market. I had a, uh, you know, uh, I had a, I had a sort of fleeting thought of a name for this one. Yeah, Magic Mike's PGA Range Finder Deluxe. PGA Picks. There we go. Magic Mike's PGA Picks. Before we get into Magic Mike's PGA Picks, well, how's your form been since the Masters? Let's go back to the Masters. You know, we, we you, you threw out a few little sort of tips and ideas there. What happened? It was, didn't have the winner, uh, didn't have the winner, so that, that never helps. But uh, I had some money on uh, uh, Will's Altaurus, so I bet him to finish top 10. So I was actually pretty nervous for a while there because I thought he might win it and I hadn't backed him to win and that would have been quite disheartening. Uh, and I also had that some money on um, Harmon, who who was travelling really well for a lot of the week. It's oh, I remember you, you you actually made him. You said him to him on the call. I yes. remember that. Yeah, you you actually did bring him up on that um, that podcast that we did. Yeah, he he was um he was he was one that I didn't mind the form coming in, and that's that's kind of what you're looking at when you're having a look at it, the Masters. But for someone uh, for someone like myself, I I, I, I Respect to Decky, he's a super, super golfer, but I very, very, very would put any money on him just purely because he just doesn't win that much. Uh, and look, golf is something where you don't win much as it is if you're the best golfers in the world are only winning you know, once or twice a year at absolute most. But uh, yeah, he'd had a stint where he hadn't won for a long time and as much as he sort of got into the mix, he, he, never, really, he never really saluted. So I wasn't super disappointed when he won. John Rahm was my number one pick. He came home pretty strong after a, a pretty soft first uh, Thursday and Friday. Did any of your other little sort of, you know, I don't know how you call them, what you refer to them as, but side bets or little other, um, you know, the, you know, the little squiggly sidey sort of things that, uh, what do you call them? What do you actually call those bets, you know, the first round leader and all that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I didn't have first round leader. Oh, I've come back to my memories now. I bet so much on golf. They're all in there somewhere. I know that Mike Weir didn't salute for um, top senior because mm-hmm. Lefty, I think, hung around and over the weekend and did pretty well. Uh, and I know that we had top Scott for Bobby Mack and he certainly delivered there and yeah. we might have had him for top lefty as well I think I, I think, think they were the ones we talked about on the show I think uh, I think we did I think we did have yeah. uh, big shot Bob um, as uh, top definitely top Scott uh, but also top lefty he was good yeah and uh, I think we talked I can't honestly I think we talked about Cam Smith as well mm. but um, yeah look it, it wasn't the worst tournament 
didn't win millions, I, I still had to go to work on Monday. <laughs> how's how's your form been? How's your form been since? It's been okay. It, look, when you're betting on golf, like I talked about in the podcast, for me, I can do all the research in the world, and it points me in the right direction, and I might come up with twenty people that can win. It's just finding the one out of those twenty and having them salute. I know that sounds funny, but you, if you catch, if you're catching one winner a month, you're in front. You know, I think um, got. I know that I caught um, one earlier in the year at about ninety to one. So you catch one of those, and you set up for six months. Uh, I definitely didn't have Y.E. Yang in um, a couple of weeks back. I know I didn't have Rory, but there's been a few odds and bods in the middle where you catch a catch someone like I did for the Masters with say Will Zalatoris, who who finishes in the placings at six dollars, is to finish top ten, and all of a sudden you've got profit for the week and it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I got that one earlier in the year. So I had Brooks at uh, the waste management, and he was at like. He was at like 50-something bucks going into that week because he hadn't played in ages. And then I did the same for Max Homer at um, Riviera, I, and he was coming in. At, he was like about 40-something as well. Yep. Yep. And, and just those those two alone just had really set me up. Yeah, definitely. And someone like Sam Burns, who won, has been in super form. Oh, so you, you, I was you, kicking myself. He's, he's been just killing it all year. Or you're going all the way back to, um, you know, Riviera. He was contending and he's like been knocking on the door and I, I don't know why I haven't been like, I'm, I'm absolutely kicking myself for the last few weeks because he was, he's been contending all the way through. So even if it was yep. just him for winning a place over the last month, I would have at least yep. um, you'd be, you'd be something. <laughs> um, my, my last outright win was um, the Zurich, the, the pairs. I backed the Aussies and that was my only bet for the week. So that was good. And, and the other benefit was, I'm in a punters club with the boys and they all bet horses and I just said, leave me alone and I'll just pick a, a golf tournament here and there. So I had my bet on that at all all of my money and it won. So that was good for them. They were very happy. So they went down to Warnable and spent it down at the Warnable Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> so in that club, you don't bet on the horses, you bet on the golf. You, you, you st- still take your turn at betting whatever it is a week and you just go on the golf and they have a rest from the yeah. horses. They go and do their own thing for the horses on their own thing that week. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, there's probably 14 of us in it and you have two guys betting a week, so you probably get a bet every two months. Yeah. Um, and I I just bet on horses here and there, but my knowledge of horses is very, very limited to say the least. And for me, I'd much prefer to have my, have my money on, on, the whole, on the golf because if I get one in a year, it's much more than I would have won on the horses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now the field. But, uh, uh, sorry, I'm the same. It's like just we just stay in your lane. <laughs> stay yeah. in the lane, you know. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> now before we get into Tintax, um, you know, the field for this week, it's a it's an eclectic mix. What what's the exact uh, do either of you know and can recurrent the you know qualification criteria for entry into the PGA? There's, I know this year's been a little bit different because of COVID. Rocket might know more, but I, I know that they had a substantial increased number of invitees more than qualified. Yeah, so I think um, most of the majors is usually it's like if your top top sixty is automatic. If you're a former PGA champion winner, you get automatic. I think it's nearly lifetime 
or at least up to the age of 60 or 65 to be able to play in it. That's why Daly's playing. Um, then you also then have um, other tournaments which are qualifiers as well. So certain events either leading up or other events around the on other tours which are um, like you win those and you'll get an invitation into it. Um, then, then you've also then got uh, all the club pros as well. So I think there's like 12... 15 sort of club pros. So they have different events um, all around the country to win a place to play in the PGA. Okay. So would you, would you agree that it's a, it's a wide and varied mix of, of field? It's, it's very international. Oh, outside of the, outside of the open championship, PGA is probably one of the more we'll call it eclectic fields you'll ever get. Um, and probably not not as it's probably it's probably going to be the weakest out of all the four generally speaking, and that's because of the the club pro factor. And uh, obviously, you don't have any amateurs playing either. Uh, you know where it is the strongest in Cameron's. Oh yeah, Cameron's zones like rife this week. <laughs> Many Cameron's playing this week. Yeah. Who have we got? Four. Four? Trink, got- Cam Smith. Yep. Cam Tringali. Yep. Cam, don't Cameron. No. Cam Cameron, don't call me Cam Champ. Um and uh Cam Davis. So strong on the cameras. Who wins? Okay, who's the top Cameron? Cam Smith. Okay. Smith. Like this course is just made for him. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, let's talk about the other Aussies. So we've got Cam Smith as top Cam. That's a that's a lock. Um, not a bad field of Aussies. You know, Matty Jones, uh, the Leash, uh, Scotty. Scotty's uh, world ranking slipped down a bit. Um, which he's been playing terrible. Yeah. He had good form coming into coming into COVID, and then I think it's just messed with him. Um, no, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of other priorities are competing as well, you know, young family and stuff like that. Um, those terrible pleats, you know, there's a lot of things going against him. <laughs> um, Scrivo, Scrivener, Jason Scrivener, he's been. Ah, uh, the pirate. He's in, yeah, he's always pretty strong. Uh, Jason Day, there was a question mark whether Jason was going to play or not, was there not? Beating him. This, uh, no, that was the US Open. Oh, sorry, 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 my bad. Yes. He's a weird unit. Oh. He's weird. He's very weird. I was just saying to someone the other day, though, of the Aussies, I actually probably of anyone in the field, he literally has the best form of the last 11 years in the PGA Championship by miles. Yeah. Yeah. Six, six top tens in, in 11 starts, including a win. And Almost like it's just made for him. Yeah. And look... It's not, why. not the same course every year like the Masters. So, yeah, yeah it just seems to suit him. And, and the thing for him as well, so um, I don't know how his iron play is going to be, but him him around the greens and his putter, if he's on. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because he changed, changed a lot of equipment. Changing swing never helps to sort of get things flowing. But you're right. Yeah, when he's putting, he's the best. Oh, I, think he's, I think he's starting to learn that he needs to gear down because otherwise he's – he's going to completely blow out and you'll be, you know, there's not many flat places to roll around at Kiwa. No. no. 
Like naturally, that's something that you'd look for when you're doing your tabulations um, you know, form in an event over a period of time. Is there anyone else that sticks out with form in this event over a period of time? It's a funny one because if you look at if you're looking at any other tournament or most tournaments, because they're played normally on the same course, you, that's the first thing you look at for me. You know, if, if we're looking at you're looking at the Masters, it's easy. You go, right, does this person like playing here? Do they not like playing here? Like, say, Rory. Rory's form at Augusta, not great. Uh, and you can see that through history. You look Rory's form at Quail Hollow. Yeah, correct. Unbelievable. He, he, and, and he proved that again the other week. Exactly why so, I picked Max at um, Riviera. Exactly. And, and it, because they like it there. They feel comfortable there. There's more yeah. to it. Uh, but if, you, if you're sort of looking at the PGA overall, there's there's a few people that, that travel pretty well. You look at someone like Brooks. He's had you know, two wins is never bad form. Uh, obviously, Jason Day's had good form. Uh, there's some random ones in there as well. You can look. I mean, Jason, if you go to the top top tier, they're always pretty good. Um, probably someone like Matt Kuchar is an interesting one. If you look at him, he's gone in his last say six starts: seventh cut, ninth cut, eighth cut. He's probably due for a top ten if you look at that. Mm-hmm. So there's there's all sorts of, of little things come up when you look at that. But because of the fact that it's on different courses each time, I, I really don't pay too much attention to those when I'm when I'm having a look at the markets and betting this this time around. Okay. Yeah, right. sorry, and I will say where it does change is say somewhere like I think US Open this year is at Tory. Yeah. So you'll go back and have a look at farmers. So you'll go right. Have a look at all the history for that for those Leash, playing that course. Um, Correct, those two top of the pops. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just back to the Aussies, just briefly to round out and give a shout out to everyone of, from Australia that is playing. Uh, Lucas, uh, the Bendigo baguette, uh, Herbert um, Lucas, <laughs> had a hole in one today. Had a hole in one today. Well done, Herbie. And was straight on the Instagrams, giving it to his mental performance coach. I was on the phone to tonight, uh, giving it large to Jamie Glazier. Oh, bloody. Fantastic. <laughs> no, no rest for uh, Herbie if he has a hole in one. It's going straight back in spades to uh, Jamie, who is still without a hole in one. I'm pleased to report. Well, not pleased to report. I'm. I want Jamie to have a hole in one, but he's got no. He's nowhere. He's nowhere for near a hole in one. Just letting you know. Hole in one on the Shanksville, you know, four right, but uh, no. And so Herbie gave it to him, and uh, Cam Davis. We've talked about Cam. Um. Okay. So when we get down to, you know, picking. Brackets of winners or, you know, Mike, you, you can, you know, maybe give us, you know, the sort of groupings of, of what you look at, you know, what, uh, who are we starting to narrow the prospects down to? I, okay. I can, I can go with Top Scott first if you want. Yeah. You let me, let's just get Top let's just get Top Scott out of the way and I'll, I'll run through, um, if you can indulge me for a moment of the, uh, Scotsman in the field for my uh, friends in Scotland and, um, g'day to all of you. Uh, well. Funnily enough, we've only got two. Bobby McIntyre, Big Shot Bob, and uh, Marty Laird. So um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Big Shot Bob as Top Scott. I think that's a good bet. Thanks. <laughs> um, for me this week, it's it's been one that I think Rocket summed up the course pretty well before when he talked about the layout and, and um, some of the challenges the guys are going to have. I started looking at a few different key stats most of them around strokes gained off the tee. So 
not just how far you're hitting it. Is it going straight? Two of the key things. Stroke, um, strokes gained approach. So like Rocket said, how well are you hitting it into the greens? And then it's was sort of digging down into some of the different stats uh, that really challenge how do they go on longer par fours. So par fours, 400 yards and longer. And par threes, 200 yards and longer. Put that all through the system and then basically come up with my rankings of where they all sit and go from there. Then overlay it with a little bit of uh, current form. So looking at uh, how they've travelled between... I've only gone back to the Masters, so I can go back forever in a day, but from the Masters till now, how have they, how have they played? And that's pretty much how I've come up with the guys that I've come up with. Okay. Yeah. And Rocket, you know, there's a scientific uh, you know, overview of how an expert goes through about it. Goes through it. What about yourself? Where, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to be right on the complete other scale. <laughs> this one because there's been so little form, and this one is actually there's zero science, and this is one of those ones where I'm I'm going for the the Cinderella story. I'm going for. 30 years since the since John Daly. So you think about John Daly, crooked stick, Pete Dykhorse. Uh John Daly out of sort of nowhere. What who's was who's who was his caddy? Squeaky Medlin, absolute legend. Uh hired for the week because um Nick Price was uh, his birth of like his second child. So it was like the Cinderella story there. So this week we've got Max Homer on a a bit of a Cinderella story and an outsider. Uh, his caddy had um, Joe Griner had qualified for the US four balls with um, one of his one of other Max's mates, and he got the dates wrong. So the tournament's actually at Bandon Dunes, I think it is, and it's actually the week of the PGA. So Joe uh, Joe Scovran, um, Ricky Fowler's um, um, caddy and mate, and um, also a mate of Max Homer's, and Joe had sought him out with. Bones Mackay for the week. So all of those things, 30-year anniversary of the John Daly special, I'm feeling a little bit of Max Homer special with Bones on the bag. Yep. And not just because of that, Max has been trending all year, and if the course is kind of tough, um, he's kind, it's kind of his wheelhouse, right? So grinding it out, grinding it out. And I know he missed a cut the other week, but it's like one of those things where there's, I listened to the podcast that he's on with Shane Bacon and I'm, I'm paying attention to where he thinks he's at and he's close. Yeah. Well, he missed it the week before and he was sixth. So yeah, 17th the week before that. So yeah, definitely forms there. And he's, yeah, he's, he's a, all, all round game. So really good sort of ball striker. I feel like this is, this course is made for him. Okay. Yeah. Any other uh, forecasts or predictions, Rocket, from you? Are we, is anyone, has anyone given you anything, you know, let's, okay, maybe not a prediction, but has there any, any been, any. Uh, any any other one I could think of might be leash, right? Because it's going to be windy and hard. It's like the leash and, Leash and Cam, so the mullet show. No, no, no. That's about it. I agree. I think I think both of those boys, it wouldn't shock me to see them right up there in the top 10 come. Yeah, a bit of creativity, a bit of shot making and stuff like that. Being able to ride the bumps, a bit of momentum and stuff like that because I reckon we're going to see some just great carnage. It's going to be some great carnage and, and 
I'm waiting to see Bryson. I think this course is going to do his head in. He's going to be interesting. I look. I think he's one of those guys that I look at, and he obviously has a length. Uh, he obviously gets get his scientific green reading books out, so he can do all the sums. The, the greens have got the they've got the paspalum graph, so it is a little bit slower. So adjusting to that, which I'm sure they all will, it'll be very interesting to see how he goes. If you're just looking at it from a scientific point of view, he's right in the mix, but. He's, wind, he's, wind and strategy ain't his friend. Correct. And that's that's the biggest thing is, you know, we, we all play golf. As soon as you hit a ball and it takes flight, that, that wind's going to knock it around. And when you're concentrating on getting your miles per hour swing speed up to take launch, to overlay what the wind's doing coming into you and making sure that it lands in the right spot is, is obviously going to be uh, another yeah. challenge for him because he does hit it high and long. Yeah, he's not a shot maker. No, he's not going to be uh, punting it around. And, and, it. and irons and distance control and wedges, like, you know, if, yeah. he's, if he's wedges and putting is really, really, like if he just has the, if he um, balls out in that, in that respect, he'll contend. Yep. But I think he's not going to be, because it's a strategy, again, it's a strategy place. I don't think he's going to be in the right spots to be able to take advantage of it. Yep. Yep. So, so Mike, who are your other... Um We'll get to your who your main pick is, but what are the other sort of areas that you've sort of may, maybe outlaying some some investment on? Yeah, so for me, uh, I've got a handful of people that I that I'll be betting. Uh, the majority of my bets will sort of sit in the mid range for for the odds, so not right up the pointy end. So I, you know, someone like Xander Shockley, he stacks up extremely well. Another one who a bit like. He doesn't win too often, but he stacks up really, really well. But his odds are, you know, fifteen, twenty dollars, you know, right at the top of the market. So for me, I'm sort of going a little bit deeper than that. The the main guys that I've been looking at are Answer, Cyril Haddon, Webb Simpson, uh, other guys that I've sort of been uh, looking at. All, f- uh, all, all favourites of the Mile of Golf podcast, discussed at length yeah. many times. <laughs> and they're all super golfers. Uh, if you look at Answer. He's he's top, you know, top of the top of the charts in a whole bunch of stats that really are going to be good for you to play here. Uh, honest, honest Aussie Abe is probably my number one pick to bet to win, uh, but I don't mind a few Smokies as well. So for uh, if I'm looking at someone who's going to come from the clouds, someone like Charlie Hoffman sticks out to me a little bit. When I run the numbers, he's probably no. the last oh. person. He's the last person I expected to see come up, but when I ran the numbers for the field, he literally came up second, which I was I I fell down a little bit. But he ranks 36 in in the field in of in in the PGA at par fours over 400. He ranks 26th in par threes over 200. He's right around the mark in every single stat that I looked at, and. He has a habit of playing well on pass Palum. Now, it's not going to be the same as the stuff at Corrales or Mayakoba. And I know that the fields aren't the same there when he's played well there. But he's one that I think could could uh, have a week out of the box. Some, someone, I mean, and he's he's sitting around 150 to 1. You know, if you, if you want to bet on him for, a, for say, even a top top 20, you're going to get five or six dollars. Wait for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Value indeed. Pass Palum. So you, you're looking as closely as surfaces and, gr- and grass types. 
<laughs> Me, yes. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm much, I'm very much a, a nerd for it for when it comes to this sort of stuff. So for something like Paspalum, it's, a, it's a different grass. It's they call like people keep calling it sticky for chipping and and using the, hitting the ball around the greens, but it's only played on at Corrales and it's played at Mycoba. The only two tournaments you'll see it throughout the year. But then if you dig a little bit deeper, it's a, it's the type of grass they use at Bears Club down in um, Jupiter, Florida. So there's a lot of pros that are members there. Now, when you dig a little bit deeper there, if you look at the guys that were members back the last time they played the PGA here, Roy McElroy, Keegan Bradley, both guys finished. Oh, Justin 10. Rose. Yeah, so they're the things that they're not going to give you an answer. Uh, there's nothing here that's not... It, it, it's not a Rubik's Cube. It's not like you're going to get the solution and go, right, that's the one and we're away. But they all lead me to a, to a, to a handful of people that I think, right, that gives me my best chance. I'm going to pick half a dozen guys, spread a little bit of money around and, and hope one of them salutes. Pass Palin, what, what do we have closest? What would, what would the listeners of experience here in Australia that's as close to you could describe as Pass Palin? Don't know. Oh, the minus answer is I don't know. Rocket might be the best one to answer. I'm not sure. Is it, is it no, like, is it, I'm a little bit nerdy, but not that nerdy. <laughs> I played I played at Cobra a few years ago with some mates, um, but I don't really remember what the difference was between the two. I just know that uh, the guys do say that when it sits on the fairway, it does sit up a little bit bit more than normal, than normal grass. Uh, and I know that they... They've been talking this week about trouble to growing it a bit longer. So I think they overseed it uh, in certain spots just to get it a little bit longer, but that's about all I know. So then from your experience, Mike, playing at Mayakoba, um, what was it most like that you have played on here? Reminds me of playing golf in Queensland. Yeah, okay. But, yep. you know, it could well have been the weather and 10,000 coronas that I'd probably drunk down there as well, which was a bit like <laughs> being on holidays in Queensland. <laughs> uh, very good. Um now, what about the internationals? Is there any hope for any anyone from overseas outside of the Australians that we've mentioned, outside of Big Shot Bob? Um, anyone that catches your eye there? I think the one that most people have found, uh, and I know there's another uh, golf punter who calls him Mini Rory, the new Rory, and that's Victor Hovland. He stacks up very well on my, uh, my numbers. Good, good form this year. Great form. His last three starts have been third and third. So that, that's that's knocking on the door, definitely. And he stacks up really well uh, in the stats that I've looked at. The only problem with betting on him is everyone likes him. So now he's sitting at about $19. Mm, so eight. for me, yeah, in a 160-person field for a guy who's you know, obviously he's won, but he hasn't won. He's won. He hasn't won on. Uh, he hasn't. I don't think he's contended in a major. Right at the top, maybe he has. Maybe I'm slipping my memory, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't know how to go Masters. No, twentieth. Not too bad. Yeah, just it's one of those ones where I think uh, I think a lot of people have seen the form, looked at the numbers, and said, "Yep, yeah, he's right in there," and his numbers been crunched. So oh, I've sort of stayed away. Uh, but look, I certainly, like I said before, Tyrrell Hatton, I could see him going well. He's certainly relaxed. I know he put up the video the other day dressed like a complete peanut uh, in tight, tight, tight shorts and a tight salmon polo, I think, hitting golf balls, having enjoying life. So he's clearly relaxed. 
Westy and Paul Casey. Yeah, how, how do we see those guys? I think Westy, if the tournament was a month ago, I think he would have been right up the top of uh, a lot of people's charts. Out of uh, gas. Yeah, Casey's Casey's probably the one that I think of those two is going uh, going a little bit better. He's he's he stacks up pretty well. Probably stacks up top twenty in my numbers. And when you look at his form uh, since uh, Bay Hill tenth players, he finished fifth. Another peak die, and then he's he's only had three starts since, and they've they've all been in the twenties, twenty eight, twenty six. So I, I would say probably my guess is he's going to finish somewhere around there. Okay. Hey, here's here's one I like, and and I'm not astute enough to pick a winner, but there's a, there's a chap in the field who is not from overseas, uh, is American, but has played a lot in Europe and has had some good form over the last uh, period, and that's this young uh, John Catlin. I like I like him. Okay. There you go. I want to know if he, I want to know if your dad's bet on him. I want to know who your dad's bet on because that's he's the one who had the winner last time, wasn't it? Yeah. Well. Uh, that was more of an omen bet. That was about as akin to me putting 250000 of your mate's money on number seven at Dapto. <laughs> it was about as omen as, about as, omen as, uh, as Murray uh, doing that because uh, the, the story there is he's very um, connected with his Japanese uh, culture. You know, he speaks a bit of Japanese. So he has a soft spot for um, Japanese people. And he, as, he, as I said, he speaks a little bit. So he's always liked that, um, you know, nationality and that's probably as much as it took. Uh, I'll ask him next week. He's coming down for a visit. First time I've seen him in a year and a half. So, um, but uh, you know, he put some more sauce on that. He said, "Oh, you know, I follow the, I follow the form, son. I know, I know a good bet when I see one. Don't worry about that." But uh, no, it's just because Hideki was the best Japanese player in the field. So yeah, yeah, good, good a reason as any. Pretty much. Uh, but John Catlin, I'm, I'm interested to see how that young man uh, performs on, I guess, home turf. But he's been playing in Europe and. and Fighting out some, I don't know what his recent form is like, but the, I think he's won this year and he, he won last year very much so. He must have come over in the last few weeks because he's only had one start on the US to miss a cut, uh, and that was for Byron Nelson. Okay. So that's the only data I've got. Yeah. Top 10. I'd say, I'm going to say top 10. You'll get good odds, I'm sure. Can you just put that on for me? Thank you very much. I'll send you the money. Thanks. <laughs> Done. Uh, Rocket. What about from you? Parting, fighting, fighting comments. Uh, parting comments. Um, I'm looking. For me, it's just looking forward to this course. Just punching people in the throat. It's going to be great. Um, anyone for anyone else? You know, I think we forget that Mister Mister Morikawa is defending champion. Um. I don't know who else? It's just I think it's going to be really wide open, and I'm you know, oh, I, I don't think I've been this unsure about who could win a major for a while. Okay, to be honest, because just all all the players, even the top ten ones, they've just you know DJ's been for the last month polarized. But the yep. thing is, though, he could just DJ it and turn up and shoot 30 under and beat field by 20 and everyone would go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it amazes that's what everyone expects, right? Uh, they expect him to do to do that. So anyway, it could could happen. That Mike, did we get your ultimate winner? Did we did we get your you know your? If I if I if you're nailing me down to one, yep. I will go with answer. Okay. Abe answer. Yeah. Oh, Aussie oh, Abe. I like you know I like the uh, the Mexican uh, player. Yeah, the, it, he, he is very it, very good. If he doesn't win, I'd love to see Cam Smith or any Aussie to be honest. But Cam Smith or Leash, I would love to see him. Okay, oh, Cam, just, Cam. just smashing Leishman lagers in the water or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Definitely, there's no loser if either of them win. But okay, Mike, who Cam Smith or Leash? Pick one. Uh Cam Smith. Okay. Rocket, same for you? Yeah, why not? Okay. Leash can, Leash can win at Tory, so they can well, split it. Yeah. Well, guys, that's been, I think we'll leave it there. It's uh, 48 minutes of uh, more of our finest. Uh, thank you very much for both of your contributions. Uh, I think we should do this again for the US Open. Um, yes. Can, can, can we sign that contract with uh, Magic Mike now? Is that is that done? Yep. Um, Sounds Let's try and get more more advanced preparation for this and, and see if we can at least give the listeners uh, some information before the actual tee-off of the event. But, um, you know, we have some fun. When, when is the US Open? What's the date? Uh, before weeks, I reckon, around the 20s. Oh, look at the date. Oh, I'd be on the road. Where will we be, Rocket? Hmm, traveling, man. Okay. So does that mean, is that, are you in or are you an out? Are you an out? No, I'm in. Oh, okay. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I might be in a caravan or under an annex or, you know, somewhere. Well, we've covered. Not, not under the flight path of any planes. I'll we, give you the tip. We have covered you on the road before. So, um, you know, we can do that again. Mike, Easy. it's been great to catch up with you again. Thank you, as always, for your insights and uh, your participation in the podcast, both here live, both in uh, the Barnboogle episode. And please, if you haven't listened to the recent episodes of the mile Love of golf you've been waiting for rocket to join us well go back and have a listen to the barn boogle episode have a listen to the bob mccoy notes have a listen to the bob mccoy interview and all of those ones because uh had some great feedback and really do appreciate everyone who has listened to those stories thank you very much rocket we'll see you uh very shortly thanks and apologies to the listeners again mike good luck with the tips and uh and thanks again thanks for having me guys see you next time